0: I'm Nicole and I'm Monica (laughs) and we're two fangirls who like to talk about media and knit this is our podcast while we were knitting this month we start our duology where like Russell Crowe Monica and I come into your podcast app and explain our passions you know Russell Crowe I love that tweet um I'm going to be talking about my current obsession which is a professional wrestling company AEW professional wrestling is best understood as if like a sports anime and a soap opera had a baby that was raised by a drag queen and just really loved gymnastics that's the vibe those are kind of the things that you should think about if like me i was never into professional wrestling before this fall so the outcomes are scripted and predetermined and the wrestlers aren't deliberately trying to hurt each other but a lot of the moves are still very physical and you know fairly painful so it's quote unquote fake in that it's predetermined, but you know they're actually doing the moves and sometimes the moves hurt. So in order to talk about a very broad set of um, media since AEW has been around for about two years now and has a weekly television show and a bunch of YouTube shows, I put together two clip shows. Um, one that's focused mostly on John Moxley and Eddie Kingston and one that's a little more of an overview of different people that I'm currently interested in, in AEW. Um, Both will be linked in the show notes so that you can see kind of the microcosm of AEW that we're going to be focusing on today because I was putting everything together and I kept adding stuff and I was like, no, I can't, I can't add everything I want because if I do, Monica will have to watch like six to 10 hours of content and that is just not, that's a lot. So, even though I put the clip share together, I actually did sit down and watch it last night just to make sure everything was working the way I wanted it to. And I knit uh, Modimus by Cookie A, which I'm still working on because it's actually the Tour de Fleece now. So I've been you know, really focused on my spinning. So for the, for the first set of videos, the um, Kingsley and Moxley ones, mm. I was knitting, I started out knitting something a little bit simpler. And then I was like, oh, you know, uh, There's a lot of emoting. I can actually, there's a lot of emoting in facial expressions and such, not like moment-to-moment things. I can knit something a little more complicated. So I started knitting Windflower by Katherine Knutson. And then about halfway through, I started getting really involved in what was, yes! (laughs) So at that point, I went back to the vodka lemonade cardigan um, by um, Big (laughs) Cocktails. Yes, they got you. I'm so glad. I, did. <laughs> it was, I have to say, like the, I was like, I'm liking the drama. And then I continued it through the through the um, overview, which was a good thing because it was uh, a lot of, you know, moment to moment things and mm-hmm. crazy like flying acrobatic moves. And I would have been sad to miss those. So. <laughs> yeah. The John Moxley and Eddie Kingston clip show is basically chronological. Cause I was like, I want to show how you experience an arc in mm. wrestling because it's a weekly show so you you know you see something one week you see something the next week kind of gets parceled out so that you're watching a rising and falling action and watching an arc and watching these relationships change mm. and I was like that is how you would typically experience like a wrestling arc when you're watching mm. it on the television and then there's the overview which is like this is just a bunch of stuff that I care about it's not in order just kind of cool things that I think are cool. So that was, that's the way I kind of split that up. I think that John Moxley and Eddie Kingston are in love, like not like in real life, but like, and if you were to sit down and be like, so is this a romance? I'm pretty sure that both of them would be like, no, no, I don't know. But like, to me, I'm like, this is a deeply romantic storyline. This is a story of two men who have known each other for like 18, 19 years, went on these very different life paths, and then came back together initially in kind of a confrontational way. But when the chips were down, when it was like, oh, no, John Locksley is going to get blown up in the ring. Oh, no. Eddie was like, no, I'm, I cannot allow this. I care too much about this person. And I was just like sitting there watching the pay-per-view like on my couch absolutely losing my little mind about like oh my god Eddie is here for this even if his um, faction which is the group of wrestlers who are kind of loosely associated or tightly associated depending on what it were kind of like "Eh, we're not super here for this and like came out with him and then we're like nope Eddie was like no I will throw myself bodily on top of this man to make sure that he doesn't get exploded and then they became an old married couple And the pyro got like completely screwed up. Like you watch the pyro and you're like, you're being very dramatic for not a lot of pyro, but like the pyro was like, (laughs) the pyro was bad and you just have to ignore the pyro and be like, the feelings are good. The pyro is bad, but the feelings are good. And that's the key part. And so their now storyline is about how they're like reunited and it's like the two of them against the world. And they're like basically two old marrieds and like bicker, and just like, they're so fun. And the latest development in their storyline as a tag team, because when you're a tag team, you mostly fight together, is that John Moxley is, quote unquote, injured by the last pay-per-view in the fight against the Young Bucks, and he's probably fine. He's just on paternity leave, so. Oh, yeah. he was talking in an earlier video about his wife being pregnant, that's right. Yes, <laughs> so that's why Eddie, in the last clip that i included was like when he holds his daughter for the first time she'll he'll be in a neck brace and i'm like i'm pretty sure he's fine but I don't know. <laughs> like you know the the thing about wrestling and i think it's especially interesting within the characters of eddie kingston and john moxley is the idea of shoot versus kebab, and it's a spectrum but shoot basically means real life real humans real emotions, real things that happen. And Kefabe is the made up world of professional wrestling mm-hmm. that everybody has agreed to buy into. Where like, you mm-hmm. can have a wrestler who's like a zombie or like, you know, somebody was attacked outside the ring and it's a horrible travesty, but like, it, this is an assault and nobody, you was know, like, maybe we should call the police. Just like the <laughs> fake wrestling um, that mm-hmm. is built through the storylines and through engagement with the fans and can be on Twitter. and various YouTube shows and all this social media. It's a spectrum and I call it a spectrum because most wrestlers have taken some aspects of their own personalities to build their ring characters. And AEW is different from um, the other main North American wrestling promotion, the wrestling company WWE because WWE tends to say, we will be developing a character for the wrestlers who come in and we own the intellectual rights and the intellectual property of this character. And if you leave, you do not get to take it with you. Whereas AEW is like, you get to come in with a character and it's your character and you will be playing that character in AEW. And the character might change or you might decide to rebrand, but the intellectual property rights are with the wrestlers, basically. Hmm. So john moxley is actually called his his real life name is uh john good so you know it's still got that john and it's actually very funny because if you remember the promo that you were just talking about where he was talking about his you know pregnant wife at home and his father was always like we're the good guys good guys yeah yeah it's just an extended pun on his house last name is actually good so yeah. <laughs> yeah. that's very fun that's very funny to me and then eddie kingston is actually eddie moore um and both, oh. of them, yeah, so both of them have built these characters in ways that take a lot from their real lives and draw inspiration from things that really happened to them. Mm-hmm. Exaggerated and made more dramatic for like narrative and performance effect. But like when Eddie Kingston was like, and then I was in jail, it's like, oh yeah, when you were 18 or 19, you stabbed a man with a um, broken bottle in a bar fight and you were in jail and your mother had to come get you and she was like your life together so like that happened okay (laughs) yeah and so he's like actually discussing something that happened in a quote-unquote shoot way in the kefabe world of wrestling so you can kind of incorporate and play back and forth between what is real and what is not real by using that shoot and kefabe back and forth like That's like, I I think an important concept and I think is something that, especially as wrestlers have gotten to be more vocal like themselves on like social media and stuff like that where they can have that direct interaction that gets blurred a lot more in ways that they might not have done in like the nineties where it was mostly just a presentation of Kefabe characters, because that was um, kind of more intact keeping that fourth wall, so. It's That's funny, because I um, so I was familiar with professional wrestling. Mm-hmm. I used to watch quite a lot of it when I was oh, much younger. Okay. Yeah. Um, back, it, it was a long time ago. This was back in the days when the WWE was still the WWF. Ooh. Um, the people who were who were wrestling were, you know, Hulk Hogan mm-hmm. and The Undertaker. This was even before The Rock. Oh, wow. It so was a long time ago. Yes. Yeah. Um, we used to watch it every Sunday, um, me and my cousins. And we would always get in trouble because then we would try those moves on each other <laughs> it does not go well. We were a couple of pretty acrobatic kids, but still, these yeah. things do not go well. Um, but yeah, so I was, when, when they were talking about the, the neck brace, I was like, I'm reasonably sure he's okay and I'm reasonably sure that's drama. But mm-hmm. I was watching the, I watched the octagon match where, um, what was his name, Owen Hart fell to his death. If, um on on like live tv yeah. uh so i know so they definitely get injured <laughs> but but when i was watching that like clip where you know he wraps bar- barbed wire around his arm and wraps it around his back, and his back <laughs> is covered with thumbtacks and i'm like this has definitely gotten a lot bloodier than i remember yes. it being. i don't think they were allowed to show blood before they were not. So the WWE, yeah. which like you said, used to be the WWF, is still like the biggest wrestling company in North mm-hmm. America and pretty much in the world. And the formation of AEW in a lot of ways is happening in conversation, not necessarily in conversation, but more in opposition to mm-hmm. WWE. And the rules for the two companies are pretty different. So WWE doesn't do blood.
1: They mm-hmm. don't
0: swear. Like mm-hmm. no, that's yeah. Mm-hmm. And un- I do wish that the men's division would like, we're gonna we're gonna put an explicit rating on this, but I wish the men's division would stop calling each other a bitch. I'm like, no, oh, do the they. women's division <laughs> can. But you oh. guys shouldn't be like, you're being a little bitch. I'm like, no, stop it. I love them, but I wish they would stop doing that. Some of that, like kind of more adult stuff, is allowed in AEW, but it still isn't allowed in WWE. And part of that is because the Uh, people who the elite which are the bucks um Kenny Omega the young bucks Kenny Omega and Cody who I didn't include any information on Cody because I Mm -hmm. I'm angry at him and I don't find his storylines interesting so (laughs) that's another thing that I really like about wrestling is you don't have to pay attention to the parts of it that you're like I find this boring or like Mm -hmm. I don't care about this or this is not jiving with me I'll just like go and do something else or I'll like you know be on my phone or something and then I can tune back in when I'm like oh I care about this storyline or I find this person entertaining or I want to hear what they want what they have to say. I do appreciate the kind of like pick and choose nature of it. But well there's so many of them that you have to root for some and you not for yes. others and there's the bad guys and the good guys and I really appreciate that they've kind of continued that yes things. there's like the heels and the faces. And yes. one of the things that is not currently happening as they start like opening more up and having more crowds is during the pandemic, most of AEW is happening in um, Jackson, Florida because the owner of AEW are Tony Khan and his father is like actually supplying the money. His father is um, Shadi Khan and he is a billionaire and he owns the Jacksonville Jaguars. So like, oh. <laughs> yeah, so so that's where the money is coming from. This is how this company basically is on national television is because there is serious money behind it. And because they also own the Jags, when everything shut down, they were like, okay, we still have access to an open air arena. It's not mm-hmm. actually mm-hmm. the Jack people Jaguars, like where they play, they've, they've done a couple things on the actual stadium, but it's kind of like adjacent to that arena, it's called Daily's Place. So they were able to, for the vast majority of the pandemic, keep going. And during the vast majority of the pandemic, which was like kind of questionable, but they did it. Um, And they would have the heel tunnel and the face tunnel, which was very helpful to be like, the faces are the good guys. And they would come out of the good guys tunnel. So sometimes I disagree with Mm Tony Khan about who is a face, but you would be like, Mm -hmm. okay, these are the good guys. And then the heels would come out of the heel tunnel and you'd be like these are the bad guys. Oh. <laughs> so having those tunnels was like very helpful. And then as they've invited more fans back, they're dedicating some of the room that was previously like for the tunnels to like seating. And now mm-hmm. there's only one tunnel. And I'm like, oh, I miss I miss having two tunnels. I miss like having that like easy, like, okay, so is this a good guy or a bad guy? You know, sometimes I extremely disagree. <laughs> um, but that's a story for another time but yeah so it's it's interesting to like see who I like who I end up focusing on and sometimes I care about people and then they get in conflict with other people and I'm like I don't care about these other people I do not (laughs) want to like why are you telling me about them I don't want to know about it yes it's always a little bit of a challenge for me sometimes so John Moxley and Eddie Kingston are currently my major focus. Um, obviously, Moxley is. They the are journey. really cute. <laughs> I'm just like, they're really cute. <laughs> just like I love them so much. These two men care about each other so deeply. This is romance with a capital R. And I'm like having so <laughs> many feelings. Um, but, you know, obviously, there's two hours of television a week plus like three hours of two YouTube shows plus a skit show plus they're introducing another hour of television and I don't watch all of that every week just because I'm like that's too much content like I I can't I don't know how I used to watch like multiple hockey matches a week because that's something I used to do and I'm like how but you know because you're watching these people so many times you start getting attached so Mm -hmm. I initially the kind of like bridge between the Moxley Kingston stuff and. Um, the more general stuff is, I initially builds it so it went into the claimed who were insulting, like, Moxley and Kingston. They write each other valentines. <laughs> right. Okay. I, my terrible son, Max Castor, he's so terrible. I love him he's adorable. so much. <laughs> like, I was, like, for two months, I was, like, you know, I, I wish I could love Max Castor. He keeps, like, including one line where I'm just, like, Max, what are you doing? Um, in all of his raps. And then I was just like, just kind of like gave up. I was just like, no, I just love Max Caster now. That's that's what's happening. And then for the past like month or two, I have been like, what is going on with this child? I mean, he's not a child, <laughs> he's like a 30 year old man, but like what is going on <laughs> with this terrible troll? And the claim is also interesting because they are one of the tag teams with Anthony Bowen and Max Caster. And Anthony Bowen, who's like, seems like a lovely gentleman, not a giant weirdo, but like, you know, fun guy. And I like when he shouts, like, AEW! Yeah. And like, <laughs> it, like, being the hype man for Max as the rapper, as part of their gimmick, Anthony Bowen's is openly queer, he's a gay man, and he like, I think I sent you that link that unfortunately mm-hmm. I cannot find on YouTube, but he like, it's like, you know, it's really important me to be openly gay, because I thought that there wouldn't be a place for people like me in professional wrestling and I would never make it to you know the highest echelon and I was just like Anthony Bowens like what a good guy what a nice like guy and then he's like saying heel things about like but we're the best tag team everybody else sucks and I'm like oh buddy (laughs) um yeah so and then Max Caster is like of my He's friends such a dis- little jerk. He is. he is. One of my friends described him as having the horniest dog at the dog park energy. and that makes yes. yes. Yeah. And it's like, oh yeah, no, that's entirely correct. And at one point, <laughs> apparently he got told, so he and Anthony Bones, like, come out and they, like, do, like, an upside down peace sign with their fingers. This is great radio, as I demonstrate this, to be like, the claim. And um. apparently at one point they were, like, scissoring their fingers together. And HR was like, please stop doing that. Like, I know we're like not, you know, we're allowed to do adult stuff, but like, can you stop like pretending to make your fingers do sex on the television? <laughs> and then Max Caster think, was just like, so I will do a different gesture that makes it look like my fingers are doing sex on the television. And I'm just like, mm, well, you know, he's just he's just out here pushing boundaries, being terrible. He's currently doing a lot of flirting on Twitter with another wrestler who's like, also named Max, very funny, and is, um, extremely not here for it, but I'm, like, very interested in, like, keeping an eye on that storyline, because, like I said, like, I'm, I've become very interested in the acclaimed, and, like, what is, like, what is Max Caster doing? The answer is trolling, but, like, what is going on in that little brain back there? And he's not little, he's like a large human as well. I like how he's he being like, he's like a small boy. And then I'm like, no, he's actually like 30 years old. He and does, like, he does seem little compared, maybe it is just his personality, but he does seem physically little compared to the other guys. Maybe just cause the rest of them are so huge. He's 6'1". Oh, good grief, Never mind. Yeah. No, he's <laughs> like a tall person. You don't realize until you see him like standing next to somebody, Um, And I had initially included a clip with the entire fight of the acclaimed and um, Moxley and Kingston. And unfortunately, it was technically an illegal clip and did get taken down by YouTube. Yeah, Um, I saw that. (laughs) Yeah, it was like a bummer. But you can actually watch both Eddie Kingston and John Moxley like struggle to lift Max Caster. Like, like, because a lot of the moves, you know, are like lifting the other person. Yeah, they're overhead moves, yeah. Yeah. And you can definitely be like, oh, you're like having a little bit of difficulty with this because he's just like a very sturdy human. But you don't necessarily like clock that he's one, but he is. Mm-hmm. Um, where Anthony Bowens, I don't actually know how tall he is, but is like notably shorter than he is. And it's also interesting because just speaking of moves and like body types, wrestlers wrestle very differently. Mm-hmm. Not entirely based on their body type but it is influenced by that where like typically smaller wrestlers are going to be like a lot more like jumps and a lot more flippy stuff Mm -hmm. and that is actually my favorite type of wrestling is like this man is doing a flip and I'm like yes do the flips so that's why I included those clips of where I was like cool flips they're really impressed. like they are really acrobatic some of them like the like you, you see this guy basically balancing on this tightrope on a corner mm-hmm. flipping himself around and then doing a backflip over it and you're like you know <laughs> you really shouldn't be getting a lot more credit for not like landing on your face through most yeah. of these things yeah you've actually managed to hit your target which is another human being yep you know, it's yep. pretty impressive yep ray phoenix is so good at his job i'm constantly he's yeah. broken right now which is very sad but I like I love to watch him wrestle because I'm just like, what cool flippy thing are you going to do next? Yeah. And it's just fascinating to watch him do basically tightrope work on you know these ropes that are pretty high and constantly be flipping on and off and flipping himself and getting so much air. He gets so high. And it's just like, how? And I don't know what Ray Phoenix thinks his gimmick is. Like, he is... His name means like King Phoenix. He is mm-hmm. initially um, from one of the Mexican promotions. Oh, um, yeah, he's initially from AAA, which is a Mexican promotion that was initially founded in the nineties. Um, and I think he still is doing some wrestling back in Mexico when he's not injured. It's my And also when we're not in the middle of a global pandemic and travel, international travel is difficult. Um, but I understand Ray Phoenix as being a cat who loves to do flips. That's mm. my understanding of his gimmick. I don't think he would understand his gimmick that way, but like, I'm like, I was like doing research to be like, has he, I was like looking at his Wikipedia page to be like, so like, what what is his, you know, gimmick? Cause his brother, Penta, Penta El Ciaro Mero, they're actually brothers in real life. This is she. Oh, yeah. Okay. Is I'm pretty sure the ghost of a samurai. Like I'm pretty sure that's the vibe. I'm oh, not 100% really? sure. I'm not 100% sure if that's how he would describe it, but, you know, he's got the skull, he's got the, like, yeah. very samurai armor, he's got both the... A, I mean, he's got a heck of a costume, I don't know how he fights in that. Oh my gosh, it's very impressive, and, you know, they're both masked wrestlers in the Mexican yeah. tradition, um, and there was two fights, I think, that as part of the storyline of the fight, they were, like, people are like, trying to remove their mask or removing their mask, which is considered a disqualification when you're in Lucha Libre. That's like, you oh. get kicked out of the match if you try to do that, but it's not in AEW. It's legal. But it was like very viscerally uncomfortable to be like, these men are naked. How <laughs> Get them their masks back. So, yes. Yeah. Did is- they actually get their masks off? Um, the When the Young Bucks were just turning heel they oh did. the old books are kind of jerks aren't they yeah they were initially <laughs> wow. yeah 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 they were initially faces and when you're in the clip where they're doing a lot of flips they're like very also flippy wrestlers they do a lot of kicks they do a lot of flips and in the um clip with the with top flight where they're mm-hmm. all doing all those flip you can really see like they're good guys they're like you know defending the new guys and like making sure they don't get hurt and then they um became evil through a series of reasons. Basically Kenny Omega noted by disaster bisexual Kenny Omega. I don't actually know if he's bisexual in his personal life, but his last storyline in Japan, cause the elite initially came out of a Japanese promotion. Oh, they were mentioning that. And yeah. I was like, hmm, that's weird. <laughs> yes. Um, the kind of the three most, um, I would say internationally kind of watched and broadcast Uh, countries producing content would be uh, the United States, Japan, and Mexico. And there's connections between all three of those because wrestlers move around a lot and will wrestle for different promotions in different countries. But Kenny's storyline in Japan was he was one half of the Golden Lovers um, with Kenta Ibushi, who is like so dumb. This man is like genuinely very dumb. And I'm like, he like, he doesn't like to read because it puts pictures in his head, And he was like, I'm trying to keep a 25-hour day because that way I'll live longer. And he also, he's Japanese, he speaks fluent Japanese, he's from the country, was in Japan, in the city, left the hotel, forgot his wallet and his cell phone, didn't know, didn't remember which hotel he was staying at. So like just wandered around all night in this, like in this city in Japan being like, well, don't know where I am. So like... He's an amazing wrestler, but I genuinely think he's not very bright. It's very funny, but they were they were like this tag team. And um, right now the kind of storyline that again is taking place mostly on Twitter is that um, you betrayed me by leaving our promotion and going to America to found this new promotion. Um, so sometimes they're like very dramatic on each other with Twitter. Um, Wait, is, this isn't the guy who, who who came out with the laptop, is it? No. No, that's Michael Nakazawa, who is also from oh, that same promotion. Um, but it. Was not the like main tag team partner. who's not part of the Iron <laughs> Lovers. But yeah, Michael Nakazawa's thing used to be that he would like come out and like really aggressively oil himself in like <laughs> baby oil, and would just like like was very dick forward. And is kind of how I would say it. It's very weird. It <laughs> I was like all right this is odd but okay and then when the elite became like evil he became their kind of like personal assistant because he was already associated with the elite but now he's like got it yeah so he'll like during matches if they're like not with an important wrestler he'll be like wait wait hold on I gotta go take this call and like go take this call and take a call at the side of the ring which is very funny the young bucks are now evil basically Kenny became evil and then he the Young Bucks ultimately chose their friendship with Kenny over being faces. It's kind of the storyline. And now AEW is all as of the last pay-per-view, all of the titles, um, the tag team and the two men's titles and the women's title are currently held by heels. And Mm. one of my friends as likes, well, the kind of joke among my friends group as we all got into wrestling together is that Eddie Kingston is going to unionize the faces of AEW, Mm -hmm. like (laughs) against their heel regime. So (laughs) that's kind of fun. Um, But yeah, Don Callis corrupted Kenny Omega into being a heel because Kenny was also not a heel. And like kind of the opposite turn that, you know, Eddie did where Eddie Eddie, was initially like a heel and he was like, Got to do anything that to like win this title. It was kind of the turn away. This title is why my mother doesn't have a daughter-in-law, and I was like, okay. I was and like, I'm gonna present it to her. I'm like, I don't think she's gonna be happy with. <laughs> <laughs> yes. No, it was, it was very funny. But it was like, I am so obsessed with John Moxley that I don't have a wife, and you're like, all right. <laughs> go on <laughs> tell me more um <laughs> so that was that was like very very much a thing and so a lot of storylines do take place around like the titles and title changes and people mm. going after the titles not all of them I included some orange Cassidy stuff in there just because I he was actually the first wrestler that I really got into because he's very funny mm-hmm. he's like very lazy and he's just like but the way that he's lazy, once you think about it, you're like, oh, this is all a lot harder to do if you have your hands in your pockets. Oh, yeah. Like when he's doing those like flip kicks with his hands in his pocket, I was like, how do you balance yourself when you do that? <laughs> he's really good. He's like very good at paying attention to details. He's very good at doing moves. He's very funny. So I like got very into him and um, the best friends, which is Trent and Chuck, and is now Chris Statlander. So they, they added. Chris, who is quote unquote, an alien from the Andromeda galaxy to their team when she came back from injury. So that it's the four of them now and the best friends always traditionally hugged. That was their thing. They was like, you've got to give the people what they want. And then the three of them would hug and the um, entire (laughs) audience would cheer. Basically people loved hugging. I also love hugging. So I was like, yay. Um, and when they added a fourth person into the hugging equation, there was probably like two or three weeks where they were clearly like, how do we, how do we manage this with four people? So you can (laughs) (laughs) see all of us, but like nobody's like touching anywhere awkward. And it was just like very funny when they were trying to figure that out. And there's there, this clip doesn't exist because the only way that exists is my beautiful friend, Caroline, a content provider sat down and watched all of this stupid web show that. Trent and Chuck used to do together that was like mostly basically shoot interviews where they would just like hang out in their hotel rooms after wrestling matches and like just shoot the shit with their friends basically. It was very funny. But Dustin at one point decided that he was going to ask their guests, Dustin, who's Chuck Taylor, I should explain that. They're, they're also two wrestlers who are basically just doing slightly different versions of themselves. Like Orange Cassidy is a very distinct thing from Jim Chipperly like they're, they're two distinct people but Dustin and Greg and Chuck and Trent are like effectively mostly the same person so Dustin and Greg used to have a web show where they would just interview their buddies in hotel rooms after matches and for whatever reason Dustin decided that he was just going to ask all of the male wrestlers that they had in the show like which member of the New Japan roster they wanted to kiss the most and as far oh, as I can do, oddly charming. <laughs> as far as I can tell, the reason he decided to ask this was because he wanted to talk about how much he wanted to kiss one of the members of the roster. So it's like five minutes my friend put together of just clips of Dustin being like, I just really want to kiss Sonata. I think he's just like a huge hunk." And I'm just sitting there. I'm like, so as far as I can tell you're straight, but like, have you thought about this in depth? Like, this is, this is like, very, like, what's going on? like bring me more into your thought process. So unfortunately that does not exist on the internet anywhere. It's just like a series of clips she put together, but it was, it's like the most fascinating thing to watch of in terms of like, how does masculinity work? How do men experience masculinity? Because it seems very different than the way I, I am watching, like what I am taking away from watching them do this. <laughs> so that's kind okay. of a thing, but people love when they hug is basically yeah. the key takeaway. And yes. one of the interesting things have been as, you know, the company has come in of quarantine and the crowds get bigger and bigger. They are now like audiences in ways that there weren't before, because for a lot of the spring and I think even some of the summer, there just weren't audiences. So what would happen was Tony Khan was paying other wrestlers to just like stand around the ring and cheer. So, <laughs> so they're like, if you weren't wrestling that night and you weren't like a top card wrestler, you would just stand around the ring and be like, Yeah, boo, or like come up with chants and like do your little chance and all that stuff. But I think starting like mid-summer to like early fall and throughout the winter, they started ramping up the crowds, and you can hear crowds getting into it. And especially now that they are back at full capacity, you're it's a very different experience to watch on TV to hear kind of that interaction and that pop. Because when the acclaim came out, I was like, oh, I didn't realize they were that popular. I didn't realize they would get that big of a quote-unquote pop, which is just like a big reaction from the crowd. But people were like, yes! I was like, oh, I also love the acclaimed now. Great. I'm so glad we are all enjoying this. And another person who got that like big crowd reaction is Hangman Adam Page, another member of the elite who's not an executive VP and also as part of Kenny's storyline and arc in, I wanna say like summer and fall of 2019, he started falling out with the elite because his thing is he's an anxious millennial cowboy who's self-medicating with alcohol. So he's like, that's his thing. I love him, he's beautiful. Um, And because I love him so much, he, when he comes out and his song starts playing, with like the horse graphics, there's just so much horse graphics. If you're like, oh, there's some horses, some Art of Horses Running versus Rearing. Okay, cool, cool. I have like become very fond of his song in a very like Pavlovian way where I'm like, it's the hangman hey on Page song. And that's what he comes up to. Hmm. Since Kenny is obviously still in the middle of his AEW reign and he currently is holding a bunch of other title championships. He has like four like big title belts right now that he's carrying around. Um, because AEW has a relationship with other companies and he went and he wrestled them and he got their belts. And it's very funny to watch him walk out with them because he's like got one draped across his body. He's wearing one. He's got two on his arms. And I'm always thinking of Adele in that, like, how do I hold my Grammys meme? (laughs) 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 Sorry. Since Hangman Adam Page is formerly Kenny's tag team partner, which is why there was a sad video about them breaking up. And that sad video was put together by the company. And I was just sitting there watching oh. on television, being like, oh, you've made a fan vid. This isn't just a fan vid that you've put into my face about how these <laughs> men are having a divorce. And it's very sad. Wild. I'm I'm thinking that might in the next couple of months come around again. But right now, hangman out of page is not talking about Kenny Omega, ex- even when explicitly asked. So he's, he's become friends with a bunch of lovable goofs called the Dark Order, who initially were an evil Oh, the cult. ones with the. Yes. They also have the crazy masks, right? Yes. 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 They were initially an evil cult. Um, <laughs> they were an evil cult of lovable goofs, to be clear. They were like, oh, they're heels. And like, you come out and I'm like, these people, these lovable goofs, they're heels? And dubious. But like, what happened? And this is actually kind of sad, but um, Mr. Brody Lee, who's played by um, John Huber, like actually died. Like, got sick pretty suddenly. He had a match mm. in like November. Um, that was that was really interesting and pretty good. And then he was out, and you know, usually when somebody's out, I'm just like, oh, you're injured, and you'll be back whenever. And then in late December, he actually passed away. It wasn't COVID. It was something else. And as part of kind of AEW reacting to that and you know, celebrating this person who had you know been a big part of the company for the limited time that he was there and somebody who was the leader of one of the biggest factions that gets like the most interest was like, okay how can we celebrate this man's life and also like acknowledge his legacy. And part of that was that the dark order are now faces they're they're no longer an evil cult they're still maybe low key a cult it's unclear. like i think they're a cult but like i don't know if the show thinks they're a cult but i love them they're a lovable cult they're all no faces and the person who is technically in charge of the dark order is negative one who is nine years old and is actually Brody lee's um, son so he like comes on the tv and like will walk Aww. them out and like he does little sketches and like some of the sketch shows. So he's, so he's not wrestling because he's again like he's nine. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> but like he's part of the extended AEW universe. Oh, so, yeah. that's cute. <laughs> yeah. There was a a big show that was late December that was just like in honor of Brody Lee and that's where the clip of Eddie talking about mm-hmm. like Brody Lee came from. He's you know talk about his legacy and talk about how important he was to all these wrestlers. So, um anyways that was kind of a bummer but like anyway the hangman is hanging out with the dark order now they're like all buddies and he just kind of hangs out with them in their little like cul-de-sac so yeah the other interesting thing about like songs and just kind of transitioning to the second half of that clip show is you really get a feel and I think this is true especially for wrestlers that I find especially compelling of like who a wrestler is as they come out like if I find somebody compelling. It's usually because you can walk out. They can walk out. and Oh, I know exactly what you're about. Like maybe I don't know like if you're the whole of your backstory or kind of like what's your current feud. But I'm like, oh, I'm interested in what you're going to say. And Big Swole is another person. Well, who like comes out and you're like, this person is so much fun. She's like such a blast. Her song, I always chair dance to her song. I'm always sitting there. I'm like, Swole, Swole. and she actually comes out and she does like little dances to her song which are like so fun and she's like so good at her job that she has actually managed to make me interested in her partners who i did not find particularly interesting before that she's recently teamed up with two other female wrestlers and they they um have wrestled as a trio and will wrestle in various configurations and tag teams i i really like her um, she doesn't have like a super interesting storyline right now. One of the things that, that I was kind of deliberate about in this clip show, but is unfortunately not given as much attention in the actual AEW is being like, no, I want to talk about female wrestlers. I want to talk about like the women's division. Um, the women's division storylines, unfortunately, typically are around the belts so around the titles and like who holds the title but are not super developed outside of that. So like the whole story that I just told you about, like came in on page, that wasn't around the belt in that same way. Like the belts were involved, but it was more about the relationship between him and Kenny and what did that look like? And they just haven't successfully managed to do that with the women's division. And I'm hoping to get better at it, fingers crossed, but Swole right now is just kind of coming out and being cool. And that's like her thing and like, you know what? She's a great wrestler. I'm glad she's, like, getting, you know, the time on the various channels, but I'm, like, fingers crossed that they managed to, like, improve the women's division to the point where there's other things going on, but, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there has to be a cool will only take you so far in, yes. in these things. You have to have a storyline in order to keep people invested. That's really what people, like, this is, my, my uncle used to call he he would be like oh are you watching your men's soap operas again oh yeah that's yeah, that's ab- that's absolutely what it was and of course my cousins were all offended and I was like oh, <laughs> that seems accurate yeah <laughs> um, they are soap operas they are the children of soap operas mm-hmm. um yeah so that was she doesn't really have a storyline I'm hoping she'll get one one of the it was like kind of title related but one of the big of arcs they did just wrap up with the women's division in early 2020 that wasn't as focused was they had a tournament to decide who is going to basically challenge Sheeta for the title in the March pay-per-view because the pay-per-views are basically for AEW or quarterly so that a lot of storylines mm-hmm. will have like a, a big plot point or will culminate during the pay-per-view and they we're also working a lot with the um, various women's promotions and you know, mixed gender promotions in Japan to like get in more competitors. So there was like a Japanese side of things and there was like an American side and they were both doing stacked tournaments to like figure out who's gonna advance. And that's where I first encountered Maki Ito. Um, and I was like, I love her. I, I want her to see her on my television all the time, constantly, why, <laughs> why is this not happening? Um, so she didn't win uh, the right to challenge for the title, but she did end up coming over and was wrestling for about a month in AEW. And then she went back to Japan, but I'm like, again, fingers crossed that she'll come back. And I did include her because I do think she's a very interesting example of like humor, but in a way where it's like, it kind of reminds me of drag. Again, I, I mentioned drag because it's like mm-hmm. the grotesquery of the feminine. And she's like, I'm an adorable okay. little girl with my like little gross, like little like schoolgirl outfit with my like little pigtails like my very cute little demeanor but like also I am fully deranged and evil that um, is totally that. a thing in in Japanese manga the the cute girl with pigtails who like is carrying like a giant shotgun underneath <laughs> her skirt somewhere uh, and is completely like bonkers out of her mind yeah uh, I can definitely see where that came from <laughs> now yeah no she's carrying that proud tradition into wrestling then so I really enjoy her and she's like a fun wrestler to watch like I like I like just watching her wrestle as well and that's part of the reason that I included the like the longest match in here I was like 20 minutes is like a pretty you know substantial match um to be like hey do you care about this I don't know um (laughs) but I was like I do find this interesting from top to bottom um the dynamics between like Maki Ito and like Britt Baker who was part of the women's division in AEW and how two of them are both evil but they're evil in different ways and then the like rivalry between you know Britt and Thunder Rosa which was very intense and they had one of the best matches of the year and I didn't include it because I actually find it very difficult to watch because it was like a death match so like It was pretty rough. There was a lot of bleeding. Brit had like an entire, like her entire face was covered in blood. It was a very good match. It was very intense. It was not the type of wrestling I super enjoy watching. And I had initially put that, like the highlights of that in and I was realizing that I kept leaving. Kind of much. And then I was like, maybe I should cut it out, but just know it was important for feminism because <clears throat> people, because women especially beating each other up and being like, we can go just as hard is feminism. So I was like, I don't enjoy this, but it is important feminism. Yes. So, um, um, women's tag team match that I didn't end up including in the clip show is part of the lead up to that, to setting up that rivalry to build that particular match. And Thunder Rosa won the match, but it was not considered part of like the title. It was just their rivalry was another like non title situation. Mm-hmm. And Brit at the time was getting ready to challenge. And it was pretty obvious that like, okay, she's going to be the next champion the way that they're portraying her and the way that they're building her up. I actually do have a lot of issues with the way that was handled because I didn't think it did as good a job building like Sheeta up to be like, why is this important to Sheeta? Like, let's explain that. And I did end up including, I think the final overview before that pay-per-view because I was like, this I think does do a better job than they did in the rest of it. But Shida was the women's champion, all of quarantine, basically, which is like a rough thing to do when you're like, yeah, yeah, there's nobody here. We don't know what's going to happen. Like the women's division especially was really uh, impacted by the lack of travel. So like people not being able to travel internationally and stuff like that, because, um, Like the first champion, Riho, who is also in that tag match, is from Japan. She's Japanese. I think she lives in America right now, but I don't know if she was there during quarantine. Um, Because I was like, she came back in like February or January, and she's like, Riho is back on the American side. I was like, I don't think I've ever seen this person before in my life, but cool. She's very bendy, very small, very frilly. Cool. (laughs) Having that lack of travel also impacted the women's um, because she was one of the main kind of players. And then kind of keeping things together during that year was like Shida was like the center of the storylines. It was like Shida and Britt and Thunder Rosa were kind of the big players in the fall and winter of 2020 into 2021. And then Nyla Rose who had previously held the title uh, is now making another challenge against Britt who's the current title holder. And Nyla held the title second so there's not been a lot of women's title holders um in part because Shida was the champion for like for all yep. quarantine and like she did a great job and I actually find Shida to be a very compelling wrestler despite the fact that she doesn't do flips which again are my favorite part of wrestling but the way that she strikes is very cool and I like I like her I like her style but Sheeta had defeated Nyla Rose and Nyla Rose is now fighting is going to fight Brit probably for the title for like three or four weeks. And it's also an interesting storyline because, and this is like one of those things that kind of comes up and kind of sometimes doesn't come up because that kind of shoot k five a like, are we going to discuss things? And also like, it's not a major part of her story, but it's an important part. Nyla is actually trans, so she's a trans woman oh. who's openly trans and is openly queer and is wrestling. And that's also something that, you know, she'll come to bring up and be like, you know, it's very, it's unusual for people like me to get this sort of opportunity in professional wrestling. Um, she goes by the Native Beast because she's also, I'm gonna, I don't know if I'm gonna pronounce this right. She's Onida. Um, she's from, she's Native American from that, I think it's a nation. So her kind of thing is kind of like one of the men's title holders right now, who was in the last clip for Eddie Mock's which is Miro, which is, like, she's, mm-hmm. like, big and tough and scary, and she comes out, and she, like, shouts and is, like, roar. I am big and tough and scary. And part of that is just because she's one of the more, uh, one of the taller wrestlers in the women's division. It's, like, her and another um, person who's I just included a clip because I'm, like, Jade gets a lot of TV time, and I think she's very funny. Well, a lot, quote, unquote, a lot she she's on my television regularly which is more than I can say than most of the res- women's competitors and she's also very tall she's like one. so her and Nyla and like two of the other wrestlers are all very tall and watching competitors like them and like Miro in the men's division wrestle is like oh this is really different it's more about like how you're like big and tall and strong and you're basically like crushing these shorter wrestlers so sometimes there will be like a tall versus small match. So like Nyla fought Layla Hirsch who's like maybe five feet tall um, and just like crushed her. And they were like, yeah. She's like, yeah, they, you know, Layla's really fighting really hard with her, like fighting spirit. But like Nyla just has such a strength of like, like um, size advantage against her smaller competitor. So it's interesting to see that clash of styles. And it's also interesting how the announced team puts that together to really emphasize like, okay, what do we care about in this match? The announce team is going to talk about it so that you know what to focus on. That's definitely something interesting. That's kind of like in progress. Again, we'll see how it shakes out. I don't like Brit is not going to lose the title this early because she's just had it for like a month at this point. <laughs> yeah. So they won't be switching it over until like longer has passed. She also, by the way, is actually a dentist. Like I was I hope you got that from the from the clips. But, like, she is a practicing dentist. <laughs> I, I, I did not realize that. I thought that was a persona. <laughs> no. She is a practicing dentist in Florida. I think her current schedule is that she does, like, three or four days in the office and then, like, wrestles for the rest of the time which is when she was talking about in that clip, like nobody works harder than I do. I'm in the office yes. 10 to 12 hours a day. I was like, oh yeah, no, like you you are actually a dentist full-time, well, part-time, but. Wow, yeah, okay. <laughs> but um, Rebel, not Reba, and the as part of her like heel persona, Brett only ever calls her Reba, which is the wrong name. So her name is actually Rebel, but is not actually a dental hygienist. She just pretends oh. to be, just to clarify. She's not a dentist, <laughs> she's just pretending to be, but Britt is a real dentist. <laughs> and in the clip I included of Britt and Nyla wrestling, when Britt has the latex glove, her finisher is to put on a latex glove that Rebel like weans out her and then to shove her hands into her opponent's mouth. It's called the lock jaw. Oh. finisher, because she's a dentist. yeah (laughs) it's very funny and i'm not going to say it's not sexual because it kind of is you're kind of like this is gross but also like it does kind of look like you're doing sex like i'm not gonna lie (laughs) you're making a face at me like you're like no you're on crack (laughs) what are you smoking but and then the last person who i just included for kicks uh is abaddon who again is a zombie. She does not break k in. She only ever gives interviews as a zombie. She at one point was doing another wrestler's like blog and the wrestler was like doing, basically like having people try different types of Oreos and like give their, like, this is a lemon Oreo. Like, what do you think about that? And this is like a mint one. And like this one's triple stuff and just kind of like giving reviews. And Abaddon did it in character and it was very funny. She also kept reaching over to try and like, eat the other wrestler and and the, like, the bunny would be like, no, 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 no. Here's, here's some cookies. <laughs> it was very funny. And the other thing, like she, I find her scary. Like her entrance is she crawls out in the dark and then like bites on a blood capsule and like rears up. And I'm just like, oh, this is, this is actually quite frightening. And the way she moves is also like very weird. Like she moves in ways that the other wrestlers don't. She's very jerky and stiff. But then, so I was kind of like not into it. And I was like, this is a little scary for me. I'm not super big into zombies. And then I realized how much men hate it. And I was like, no, I'm here for it. I'm here for it. I love that she's like, again, like very grotesque on purpose. It's not like a cute grotesque the way that like Machito, it's like, no, I am weird and dead looking and I'm going to spit out blood and I was like men don't like that you're not appealing and I love that you are willing to be like I'm not attractive or cute or here for that because the women's division is full of hunks like let me get that clear like there are people in the men's division that I find very attractive the women's division like pretty much top to bottom is like full of very very attractive women and like Abaddon is sticks out as being something who's like not interested in that at all. And Layla Hirsch, who I didn't include any clips of, but was mentioned a couple of times, is also like very no-nonsense and not like particularly. she wears a little bit of makeup, but she isn't super dolled up. She is also openly queer and her girlfriend actually just started wrestling for AEW as part of it. Her girlfriend and her sister, the girlfriend's sister are part of a tag team. And so they're from Rhode Island and they're called the Sea Stars, like sisters. Look like a little off. Yeah, yeah, please enjoy that fun, <laughs> it's happening to you. Um, and so they've started recently wrestling for AEW and I'm like, oh, good for Layla that you know, she and her girlfriend have the ability to spend more time together so that they're like at the same place at the same time. That's been fun. And she's another one who's not like dolled up but the women's division does tend to be, tends to be a little more feminine um, than kind of those two wrestlers are. So. And you know, there's a place for everybody, but it's good to have that variety of people who are like, I'm tough and I'm like, grr, here to fight. And then there are people who are more like, I am also very cute. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. So that's my overview. And I have been talking for a very long time to explain (laughs) my passions, but like, (laughs) is there anything else that like really stood out for you or you have questions about? No, I, I it had been a long time since I had seen any kind of wrestling, mm-hmm. and I appreciate in some ways how little the, how little it has changed. <laughs> I mean, yeah, just sort of the physicality of it is exactly the same. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, I know that move. They definitely used to call it something different, but I that's copyrighted by the other, et cetera. Yeah. <laughs> so I appreciate that the physicality of it hasn't changed, but I also appreciate that the fact that Like, they, I don't really remember the characters in the WWF slash E having, like, friendships, or Mm -hmm. they had alliances, yes, and there were people who were related to each other, but it was never... It, maybe it was because I tended to watch. We tended to watch more of the the singles rather than the tag teams. Because in mm-hmm. the tag teams, it was all. It always seemed to be chaos. Someone always seemed to be running in when it wasn't their turn with mm-hmm. a chair, or something, <laughs> you know. Um, but I appreciate that they're definitely working. The W. The the elite, at least, is um, is working more towards. It not being all the same, basically all variations on the same character, which yeah. is kind of what the, the WWE was kind of turning into at that point. So, yeah, mm-hmm. no, AEW loves friendship. Friendship is very important in AEW and I love friendship, too. So I'm like, mm-hmm. I also love friendship. This yes. is, I'm glad I'm glad. I really of- didn't know how that, like, how the, the Mox Kingsley thing was going to go, because I was like, this going to be like a, like a hate-rival thing, because I don't know if I'm so into that. They <laughs> turned into friends, and I was like, oh, okay, I'm into this. Yes. <laughs> it's friends to enemies to lovers, in my head. Yes. They would yes. not agree with, it. again, that's, I don't think, the official interpretation, but in my heart, no. that's the interpretation. Yes. yes, I agree. Yes, thank you. Uh, absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad you enjoyed it and maybe you know I know you're very busy with Supernatural which we're going to talk about next week I will experience my second third and fourth episodes of Supernatural ever (laughs) despite being on the internet for the entire time that Supernatural is around I somehow managed to only watch one episode oh my god so I, I look forward to actually consuming some of the canon I have read about oh we didn't even talk about what would inspire us to knit okay that's fine don't worry we're busy talking about wrestling it's fine yeah um, fun. potamus was actually a good for me because again i had put together the whole clip show so like i you know i was just like working on it because that's what i'm working on and also at the toes of the first sock so it was just like okay decrease here decrease there moving on paying attention to my television so how was you said that windflower was too complex Windflower was good for the beginning and then by the time I got invested it was it's a complex lace pattern. Um, It was not a good choice for the for the (laughs) rest so I was glad I had something that was essentially stocking out with just a couple of lace panels um, to to watch all the rest. So the the simpler one definitely, especially since there were such rapid changes, um, the simpler one ended up being the better choice. Yep. Well, I, there were a couple of times where there were volume changes between the two clips and I was like, oh, I'm so sorry, Monica. <laughs> I can't do anything about this. But I'm no, that's sorry. not your fault. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, that was, I think, our longest episode yet. So I look forward to our discussion again next month about Monica explaining her passion for Supernatural. Bye. Bye. So there was one other thing that I forgot to do during this podcast besides technically the main point which is talking about knitting and I forgot to recommend the podcast of some of my friends who do a great weekly recap of all the goings on on ew it's called Tunnel Talk and I think that if you enjoyed this podcast you'll really enjoy their uh, work and their podcast they make me laugh out loud at least once every week so gonna sign off with that Bye.